And on this episode, I am blessed to be joined by the one and only Lottie White. Lottie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I think we first met like, uh, must have been two, three years ago, where we had a random conversation off a connection on LinkedIn. And it was very, very clear early on, you were one of the most driven people I've spoken to. Now, it was, you know, you sometimes speak to someone, you're like, it's that, that art part of being an entrepreneur. You know, the passion and the drive and, and you've obviously got that in abundance and all the things you've achieved so quickly you know, speaks to that. But there are so many things I want to understand in terms of risks that you've taken. One of the things that fascinates me, as I was saying to you before, is your co-founder is your husband, which I think is, uh, is fascinating. Tell me about the story. How did that come together? How did you guys decide to build a business together and, and what's that like? Yeah, so, I mean, it really came about because Joe, my co-founder slash husband, um, was playing professional rugby at the time, and he was continually getting injured. He was out with Achilles tendonitis, and he effectively was meant to be fitting my kitchen and <laughs> put a stool end onto the end of a and q drill, started tre- treating his Achilles, uh, took it into the changing room at Harlequins, got absolutely laughed out the changing room as you can imagine like turning up in a very professional sporting environment with a b&q drill um and then goes leaves it in the changing room comes back about half an hour later and all the boys are using it wow and raving about how it's making them feel and uh i don't know if you follow rugby but a guy called carl sinkler uh took 300 pounds out of his wallet and said grazer which is what they call my husband in the changing room um i've got to have it it's a game changer. Wow. So he goes back to B&Q, buys 10 more drills, sells them to all the Harlequins boys. The word spreads to England. The England rugby boys start messaging him saying, can you make me one? Can you make me one? And he's super practical and innovative, um, but he's not a businessman. You know, he spent uh, the best part of his life, 15 years playing sport. Sure. So um, I sort of came in with my business head, had spent sort of seven or eight years um, working in corporates like mm-hmm. hang on I think there's an opportunity here and I'm also an incredibly passionate everyday athlete sport is my biggest passion in mm-hmm. life and I was like I'm training for marathons playing hockey doing crossfit I was getting injured all the time and I was like how come I don't understand anything about these tools these innovations how I can take better care of my body so the two of us kind of came together um and came up with the idea for Maya Master. And the mission is really, we want to create the highest quality recovery products for the hardest working athletes in the world. Wow, that's insane. So you had product market fit within 20 minutes. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's interesting because I felt like there's product market fit because 20 rugby players bought your thing, but that's not really product market fit because they're elite players. It's super niche. Mm. I was like, hang on a second. We've got to go trial whether this works on a more macro basis because, you know, elite professional rugby players is a very small pool of people. It does not a business make. Um, And so one of the first things we did was invest like 1,500 quid of our own money, which at the time felt like a lot, and went to a cycle show Uh at the XL and so this is when it's firmly a side hustle this is you know testing things testing we're like let's see you know completely working our jobs joe's playing professional rugby i'm working in the city um sitting on the board of mc sarchi and uh we were like let's you know go and test it out Mm. so he makes as many drills as he possibly can in the spare room we take it to the cycle show and you can imagine like 
purely the noise of the thing stopped in in like crowds were just completely crowding our store it was like four people deep this crowd yeah. around the thing just because it was so different no one had seen anything like it they were intrigued to try it on their bodies and we sold all of them and we were like okay so now we're starting to establish a little bit of product market fit because cyclists everyday cyclists there's a lot of them mm. so if we can sell it to them yeah i think we have something Wow. And I think that's one of the things which always excites me about the sports market is because sports is, although at an elite level, quite a small market size, it's an identity. A hundred percent. You know, for, for so many people, it's like, you know, professional running gear is acquired by how many people? Not professional runners, but it's just so tied into people's identity. That's how people see themselves. So having that kit, I mean, I think that's a, a, a huge market size, right? It's it is unbelievable. If you think about, you know, the mega brands that we totally admire, take a Nike, the big obvious one, one of the best brands in the world, arguably the best brand in the world. That is built on the inspiration of elite sporting people, elite sporting athletes across runners, across basketball, across golf, a ton of things. And you're like, hang on a second. They're like one of the biggest brands in the world. Mm. There aren't that many elite athletes out there. It's a tiny pool of people, but it's because we're inspired right yeah. sport is some it's community it's achievement it is so it means so much to the everyday person and and the reason i think it works really well for joe and i is because he has this incredible story which is his to tell but about how he made it as a professional rugby player against every odds he should not have made it he still say that to anyone who'll listen mm. and i am incredibly passionate about doing sport i train every single day but i'm not an elite athlete but it is my purpose it's my passion it's my community it's everything and so for us like this is about creating amazing recovery products, but it's mm. also about the beauty of sport, right? That's incredible. And I think as well, if you've ever had an injury, which I'm sure you have, well, you said you, you had tons, psychologically, if you are someone who whose mental health is so tied into exercise, and for people who exercise regularly, it is the probably the biggest pillar of their mental health. Right. Getting an injury and the damage that causes, I mean, it... it destroys your life for that period of time when you are injured. So, I, I mean, I whoop recovery like right. all of these things right? right it's um it's super interesting it is and i think just sport has so much power it has so much opportunity to change your mindset you know there's some incredible studies about people who are suffering with de depression um, consistently doing exercise versus taking antidepressants mm. and the people who were doing sport consistently and maintaining that had better results than the people who were taking antidepressants like the power of it is unbelievable um, if you can find something that you love to do so yes when you get injured it's incredibly difficult and I've seen it at every different aspect you know of people who are just doing this as their passion as an elite sports person who's out of their game and out of their job and mm. what that means so I think you know recovery is it's a really fast growing um, category, um, whoop, aura rings, mm. driving that kind of knowledge and education amongst the everyday athlete. But we're waking up to the fact that you don't have to tolerate injuries and also that you need to take care of your body if you want yes. longevity in the thing you love to do. Yes, absolutely. And that's another key word, longevity. People are obsessed with that idea right now. Yeah. And I think for a long time, we spent, you know, we, we hear the term mind, body, soul. Right. And I think it gets banded around a lot. 
But I think now people are more and more waking up to the fact that you cannot separate the mind from the body. A hundred percent. And there are people, and I've been so guilty of this previously, being like, okay, my mind's on, I don't care what happens to my body. It's almost like a separation, right? And you create this gap between, you know, the observer up here and the actor out there. But you realize that, no, 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 they are intertwined. And if you let one go, the other follows. Exactly. And, And to kind of the inverse of that is... If you take great care of your body, your mind can achieve exponentially more than it Mm. would if you weren't. And that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, for me, sport helps me unlock optimum performance in every area of my life. It helps me become a better parent. It helps me become a better entrepreneur. um, And it helps me manage every aspect of my life. And I think that's what people are waking up to. Okay, so tell me, what are your top recovery tips? Mm. So sleep, Mm. without a doubt. There is nothing as valuable for you as sleep. And, you know, what's interesting is as a brand, you know, we don't sell anything to do with sleep, Mm -hmm. but we will tell you, like, don't bother investing in one of our products if you're not sleeping seven hours a night. Like, do that first, fix that. that first, and then you can look at the extra things that we can offer you. And that's because, you know, we're really passionate about about recovery as a tool to be better rather than just like buy our products yes um the second thing that i'm really loving right now is cold water immersion uh, okay you're, you're speaking my language right now yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i am obsessed mm-hmm. and um i started off like barely hitting 20 seconds um, yep. up to like two and a half minutes now wow, two and a half minutes yeah. that's great what are you what are you doing showers no you got a- we've got a nice bath okay um, and we're doing, both of us are doing that. Joe's doing it every day. I'm doing it every other day. Okay. And for me, the benefits, uh, I'm doing a lot of endurance training right now. So there are benefits for that, but mostly it's mind. To your yes. point around mind body, it is unlocking this sense of achievement first mm-hmm. thing in the morning, mm-hmm. but also, you know, there's a lot, there's a tons of studies um, out there about the benefits for concentration 100%. and motivation um, and release of endorphins and dopamine and all of that great stuff. Yes. And then it goes all the way through to how it helps you burn fat, which isn't my motivator, but I think there's a lot of it really interesting science around it. That's so interesting. And um, you're taking me onto one of my favorite topics, which is dopamine, addiction, ADHD, yeah. all the things that are, you know, things that I'm, I'm really, really cognizant of because, so I've got ADHD. Um, the way the ADHD brain works is the task and focus part of the brain in a healthy brain uh, fire asynchronously so one goes up the other goes down like that Um, in the ADHD brain they fire together and the way for us to regulate that for for the way for us to get in sync as it were is through dopamine so that's why people with ADHD have incredibly high rates of addiction it's why Mm. they lend themselves to entrepreneurialism things which keep on spiking dopamine are the way for us to be able to focus now you can get dopamine from playing around your phone, eating yeah. junk food, whatever it might be. Yeah. So having to focus on things which release a long arc of dopamine, cold immersion, a exercise, healthy way, yeah. a sustainable healthy way is something which I think is going to be an exploding category because interestingly, people used to think ADHD, well, interesting to me anyway, people <laughs> used to think ADHD was something that you're born with. But the way that we're using our phones is actually bringing on ADHD in more people. So I think what you're talking about now is going to be one of the, the keys to keeping our collective sanity together i mean you've touched on so many things that are incredibly fascinating to me and uh there was you know an amazing rich role podcast with a um 
a neuroscientist talking about that exact thing the addiction to our phones and how that is literally effectively rewiring our brains and it is incredible how difficult it is to stay focused now I think the average time of focus is like two to three minutes or something and if you think that's us and our generation what is that going to be like for our children yeah and how do we manage that and I mean so, how do you feel about that with a, with a young child yeah I'm really disciplined about it yeah um, okay. and, and I kind of like get the piss taken out of me a little bit but so like, what do you mean disciplined what does that look like um I didn't let him watch any television until he was three we've okay. just like introduced a tiny little bit um, because I was reading a lot of studies about how important it is free free play is to developing your imagination and your brain development. Mm. And so I'm like, I don't want him sitting in front of a screen. Sure. He doesn't, you know, ever touch a phone. I would never let him sit and watch an, a screen in a restaurant or anything. And I'm not judgmental at all of anybody oh, who I does. Am. I'm <laughs> totally judgmental of them. I mean, that is crazy behaviour, right? <laughs> I mean, I understand that everyone's got different pressures, etc. I'm definitely not a perfect parent sure. um but yeah it's something i'm extremely cognizant of there's that the other thing that's massive for me is diet mm. so the you know the power to influence brain development concentration um and the health of your mind through a healthy diet and we're conditioned in our society right now literally to wake up and feed our kids Weetabix yes. or a cereal in the morning. And I just wish people understood the incredibly damaging effects of that yes. and how the impact it has on your kids' concentration when they go to school. And I'm like, you know, I think if only parents were being fed the right information, because we could go down a really long conversation I'm here for this, it. I'm here for it. Let's, let's slag off all of our parents because <laughs> that's really what I'm here for. But. Uh, you know, I think it's really about lack of education. Like, yeah, you know, totally, we're not being, it is. We're, we're not being fed the information that tells you, like giving your child cereal in the morning as a really simple example is one of the most damaging things you can do in yes. terms of setting them up for a healthy, productive day. Sugar to the undeveloped brain is the same as cocaine. You're exactly right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so difficult. And I know it is because I, giving my son sugar makes him happy and yeah. I want to make him happy, mm. especially when I'm feeling guilty about not spending time with him. What are the quick ways I can give him dopamine? Yes. I'm assuming you're, a great not, one. you're not doing cold immersion for him quite <laughs> I've yet. I've tried to make him get it. He ain't feeling it. Um, but, um, but you're yeah. totally right. So, because my, my mum uh, grew up in communist Hungary, they were, you know, end up in a refugee camp for two years. And then, so, when I was growing up, my mom had no idea about food security, food because for them they were worried about eating growing right. up. So it's like I get it, I get right. it. But now I think when we are as armed with the information that we are, we've we've got to be implementing this because otherwise we are going to grow up with a generation of addicts. Really? You know, we've got to be it's so on scary. top of this. It's really scary. Uh, you know, between screen time, the evolution of technology. Mm. The evolution of the way that we eat and also inactivity based on you know the way we work sat at computers etc it's like a really really dangerous combination and i don't think we fully grasped the extent of the damage that we're that we're causing and i and i think it's really difficult for parents because it's like you don't know what you don't know yeah. so if you're not in a 
in fact, like a, a family member of Joe's has two young kids and, you know, we were just with her for a week over half term and, and we were trying to explain to her about protein and about the power of protein versus carbohydrates and sugars. And she just had no idea. And yeah. why would she? And the yeah. only reason we know about it is because we're into training and nutrition, right? But like if you're an everyday mom and you're walking down the supermarket and Weetabix tells you that it's low in sugar and it's a healthy breakfast and yeah. it's running this campaign for kids at breakfast, you're like, sure, I'm going to, you know, buy this cereal it's quick it's easy great so a couple questions i have for you and uh you know these are very broad questions if you've got answers to them amazing (laughs) i mean one of them is um just to your point there how do we cut through marketing you know how do we cut through marketing which says this is a healthy breakfast and how do we you know give people more information around this and i get the feeling that with what you guys are building education is a big part of what you want to do and the other part is there is a massive reality Cost of living crisis, the best ingredients, organic food, all these things are not affordable for a large part of the population. So how do we how do we improve this? In three words. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck no. Um, The power of. I could have guessed the last two there. I could have guessed the last two. You know, the power of um, influencers, podcasts, Mm. the conversation we're having right now, the people that I put in my ears and I know a lot of people do. Um, is just enormous and I think we're not going to get the big um, FMCG companies to change their messaging it's unrealistic it's too big a battle and you know the government have been ex- incredibly slow yeah um, embarrassingly slow and what we can do is as as younger brands and also as influencers and individuals, we can take ownership of educating that. So mm. just to give an example, the family members that we were talking to, they listened to Stephen Bartlett. It's a really good example. They were going on about the Stephen Bartlett podcast and Diary of a CEO. That That's the way I think to get information into people's ears because it's so accessible. Mm. Everybody's on TikTok. Everybody's on Instagram. And, you know, how can we make sure that influencers are pushing positive messages. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I always wonder with the way that the algorithm works for me because I see so much healthy content. I'm like, oh, this is great. There's so much healthy content out there. But I know that if I look at someone else's, it's going to be totally different. Um, But it's interesting, you know, I think uh, although we know on a physiological or at least neurological level, the actions of being on social media are, are negative, in many ways, the content that we see is a reflection of our interests, right? And I think it's uh, it's an interesting one to, n- to know whether we're all just going further down our own route or if there is cross-pollination and are people being able to discover these things even if they're not interested in it? Oh, the power of the algorithm. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and one that everybody has to be wary of. But I think the way to look at social, certainly the way that I approach it is, it is such an opportunity to create a Mm. kind of curated um, and disciplined world around yourself based on what you're trying to achieve. So like I follow a hundred people on Instagram and that's it. Like I, and I edit it ruthlessly. Like every month I'm like, okay, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. Yeah. And the reason uh, is because otherwise you can find yourself really easily influenced mm. by things that aren't having a positive impact on your brain. Yes. So for me, I'm clear about what my three goals are for this year, right? They're being a great parent. They are building my business to seven figures profitably. Love that. And they are training for a half Ironman, right? 
So I'm like, if you aren't adding to those three goals when I look at your content, that's not helping me right now because that's not what I'm trying to achieve right now. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's I'm not brutal. following the mum who looks incredible, yeah. um, who's a fashion blogger, because I don't have time to look incredible right now. It's not my priority. So I'm not interested in buying your clothes. That's very, very interesting. Can I ask, do you drink? Really interesting question. Mm. Uh, just very timely for me. Okay. So I drank a lot in my 20s, like a lot. Um, and it was just very much part of the culture that sure. I was, well, yeah, it's part of the culture. Yeah. I was working in the city, went to uni, all the classic stuff. Of course. Uh, recently, I've been really, so I didn't drink for 100 days, start of the year, had to drink a couple of drinks. And what was so interesting was, I think when you're drinking consistently, you don't necessarily notice the impact. Yeah. And then when you stop mm. and you do it, and I mean, I had two glasses of rosé, right? Like it was pretty basic. Um, and I was, the ne- for like two or three days, yeah. I felt depressed. I felt disappointed in myself. Uh-huh. I felt tired. I didn't want to train. All of the things that keep me happy and motivated just went out the window. And after that happened, I'm like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've literally gone through something so similar. Quit for five months broke this weekend oh gutted really Absolutely but how did it gutted. how did you feel um i really enjoyed it in the moment <laughs> and have hated myself ever right. since right like it's it's exactly what you said and i mean god you want to terrify yourself because i was very much the same in my 20s seeing what recovery meant right. on whoop after <laughs> a night of drinking it was like oh no wonder i'm going to be dead at 40 it's just uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it was pretty brutal it's to see that insane, side isn't it? but i think the point around motivation like clarity lucidity like it's it's and you know for this podcast so many of our, our um you know listeners are entrepreneurs investors people who are trying to be as optimal as exactly. possible yeah it's such at loggerheads with everything we're trying to achieve right i think it's um I think we're going to see a massive, massive trend. I mean, I, even this year, you know, we've, we've got 50 people that are connected. I would say at least 45 of them are doing dry jan and probably half of those at least went to the 90-day mark and were just right. like, I feel so great. Yeah. But it's a trap, you know, it gets a slippery slope. Once you go back in once, you know, then I think it probably starts getting easier to drink again. But I think uh, it's going to be a massive rise, teetotal. I totally agree. I think for me, the philosophy that I'm kind of living by now is that and as I'm getting a little older into my 30s I'm like I don't want to be on my deathbed someday thinking kind of full of regret because I like pursued tons of small distractions and that's what drinking feels like to me it feels like a small distraction in the moment that actually has a monumental impact on going after my dreams yes, do you know what i mean I and it sounds like over the top because it's no, like a drink not at whatever all. Not but at all. I, it's it's it just has such an impact i think if you're a very very driven person um the frustration you feel at just being two days out of the game you know, after having their drink, exactly. like it's a killer. So I, I don't think it's over the top at all. And I feel the exact same, but you're right. We do things the wrong way around. Really twenties should be about driving when you're seventies. That's when you should start getting get the crack. Pissed, yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, just go, right. go for it. Exactly. Right. Once you're 70, but we're just doing it the wrong way around, which totally. is interesting. It's which is interesting. Yeah, it is. But I don't regret it. <laughs> of course not. So, okay. Going back to the story. So you've had this, you know, amazing side hustle it starts picking up. And when do you decide to make the switch from side hustle into full-time business? Yeah, so um, we side hustled it 
for about a year and a half. Um, and also in that time, um, I, I got pregnant um, and had a baby. And I was side hustling it whilst I was on maternity leave from my job in the city and um, and whilst I was raising this baby. And what that meant, because we had a fully, fun- although it's a side hustle, it's a fully functioning business, right? Yeah. So um, it meant that I went back to work like 10 days after my baby was born. I closed our first round like six weeks after and it was all really quite stressful. Wow. <laughs> um, so... It got to a point, I, I went back to work six months after, but I'd really just been working the whole time just on a different thing. And then about six months after that, it just became clear that there was a real opportunity to scale the business. It was growing really fast through lockdown and I just physically couldn't manage all the aspects of my life. And it felt like a crunch point where, you know, I don't think it's that often where you you come up with an idea, you get it to a stage where you're like, okay, this is scaling. There's an opportunity here. Mm. You've managed to raise a little bit of money. Um I just thought it was too good an opportunity. But it was also frightening, speaking of risk, probably the biggest risk, because, um, you know, I had a six-month-old baby and I was walking away from really good salary and also a career that I had strived so hard to achieve and got to a, a level that I was really proud of. And it felt like I was just throwing it all away and starting over again in an industry in a space that I knew nothing about from a professional perspective um, to pursue a dream that was effectively going to be a hundred times harder in terms of time commitment and input um, whilst like doing the other craziest thing I'd ever done becoming a mum. Yeah I mean it's incredible and you know, one of the things that we discussed before and, and one of the things we love doing on this podcast is trying to amplify these types of stories because, and I'll be totally transparent, when you were describing that, in my head, I was like, wow, superwoman, like genuinely in terms of be, being able to do those things. But I shouldn't be thinking that, right? Right? I shouldn't be thinking that. It should right. be like, yeah, that's vibe, like obviously, yeah. you know? Yeah. So how much in this journey have you come up across that and people who have questioned or detracted or, you know, hated on, on that journey and said, you know, you're not going to be able to do it for X, Y, Z. And, you know, how, how did you find that the strength to keep on pushing through that? Yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, the biggest doubt has been myself. Mm. And I found um, I don't particularly feel that guilty about pursuing the dream in terms of compromising time at home because I'm a firm believer that, you know, we shouldn't give up or sacrifice our dreams because we became a parent or became a mum in particular. And I think it's such a shame that often society puts that expectation on women and, you know, often you're viewed through this lens of, like, you should be prioritising your child at every aspect of this. Um, So I think the self-doubt was really about how difficult the journey is of, of both of those things Mm. and doing them both at the same time is it almost crippled me with doubt I was like I've gone through periods in the last two years where I've like really struggled to pick myself back up and keep on going just from a purely like a a mental um self-belief perspective yeah you're combining like really extreme um physical sort of you know giving birth Mm. that's really challenging and then um you know with the self-doubt that comes along with fundraising for example and just constantly getting up and being told no and going home to a baby doesn't sleep all night like the combination of those two things is 
um is really challenging yeah but i'm really lucky that i um married a guy who shares my desire to get up and achieve a lot and he's super motivated and ambitious and he is the expert on banishing self-doubt so he's effectively been my daily motivational speaker wow like you don't let anything stand in your way and he's proved that in his life of what he's achieved already so it comes with this great amount of credibility um and i think that kind of partnership has been crucial to getting to where we are today amazing amazing and then i think it gets to a stage where the self-belief then gets supplemented with uh, undeniable proof. Right. Right. So as you start seeing, okay, we're getting the traction, it's like, because everyone starts with a bit of delusion, right? You have you do. to. Because when you're doing you something. Do it. Exactly. Yeah. When you're doing something brand new, you've got to be deluded that this is going to be the biggest thing ever. Right. Because otherwise, why are you doing it? Right. Um, and then obviously, the, the ability to point to something and say, well, actually, we did just sell out the first 20 that we did. Yeah. Actually, we did just have a queue four people deep at the first exhibition. So, mm-hmm. Obviously, that then starts becoming quite uh, positively reinforcing. Mm-hmm. And do you look to those moments when it does get tough and say, well, actually, look, we, we, we can see the progress being made here? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting point. And I would say maybe my biggest piece of advice to other people starting out on the journey is like, have your delusional dream. I tell people all the time, we want to be the Nike of sports recovery. And they're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then expect you're going to have to endure Mm. and i think it's a really difficult concept for people in this day and age going back to dopamine hits in that we are really used to like instant gratification and the process of entrepreneurship for 99 percent of people is a long slog it's not instant gratification um and so you have to be prepared and i wish i'd been a bit more prepared when i started to just know this is going to take time. You're going to effectively be on a journey where you just fail loads and loads of times. Every now and then you'll get something right. And exactly as you said, cling on to the thing that you got right mm. as proof that you can continue and should continue. I've had so many conversations to be totally transparent. And this isn't what I put out in the world normally um, because it's not what people want to see. But <laughs> um, where I've been like, I'm done. Like mm. I don't, I'm just going to go back to my job. I'm going to have five weeks of holiday. I'm going to get my comfy salary. This is too hard. I'm not good enough. I don't know how to build this thing. I can't do it. Like I've nearly quit so many times um, because it got so hard and I just didn't, I just couldn't see the way forward. Yeah. And now it feels like we're in a great place with the business. It's scaling. But we had like weeks upon weeks upon weeks of just failure upon failure upon failure and things not going right. And I just wish more people would talk about that bit because um, that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that's where the discipline comes in, right? Because if we were all on an upwards trend the whole time, if everything was going right, this would be easy. This would be the best job in the world, the easiest job in the world. It's in those moments being able to, you know, find that, that, uh, you know, getting cutting through the self, negative self-talk. Exactly. Right. And it's it's so difficult to do. It's amazing that you've got a partner who, as you said, is is the, the best at that, which is is great that you've got someone next to you. Because one of the things that I find, I'm a solo founder, I'm single. I find that sometimes the level of ambition we have when you say we are going to be the Nike, you know, yeah. we are going to be on that level. Yeah. It alienates people. And people think you're fucking insane because they're just like, hold on, but you're here and you're talking about this and you sound insane, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe it is a little bit insane, but but that's what you've got to be to try and get there. So it's amazing that you do have a support system which um, feels the same. 
and yeah. and you know has that same mentality mm -hmm. and i think that's why um sharing those stories for people who don't necessarily have that mm -hmm. support system directly around them is so important right and i also think you a bit like we were talking about with social media it's really important to curate your life when you're doing this journey as much as possible so mm. who are you following um what podcasts are you listening to who are you following on social who are you spending time with what kind of people are you bringing into your team what kind of investors are you allowing to come on board make yeah. sure that they all are supportive of this dream and they all um allow you to be more convinced about it every day and that if there's anyone who's taking away from it like distance yourself yes. you know? i'm a big believer that like in this day and age you can have like 10 mentors that you haven't even met I'm mm. obsessed with George Eaton, the founder of Represent, right? Love like, that. I love the lessons he teaches me. I've never met the guy, but I love how he's built his business. I love his ethos. I love his discipline. I listen to podcasts of him once a week, and I just take so much away from it. Amazing. He's a mentor to me that I've never even met. George, if you're listening, let's hang out. <laughs> That's so cool. That's such an unbelievable concept. And, you know, it's something we probably all do, but to put words to that is amazing. It's like my only two friends are Andrew Huber and David Goggins. Like exactly. I, I don't care about anyone else. I don't oh, listen to anyone else. You've got but the best friends ever. Absolutely. Like. <laughs> but that's so interesting. And you're right. It's that it's actually having you can build your own support network oh, through yeah. content that way. Wow, that's that's mind blowing. I Honestly, actually, that's I learned blowing that from my mind. George. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's uh, that's super exciting. So I also want to talk about um Myobalm. Yes. super successful product yeah um sounds like you guys are just you know whacking out of the park with every new product selling out immediately exactly back to what we were just talking about <laughs> where i'm like yeah you see the you see the couple of successes you don't see you know the 300 units i've got in my warehouse of a product that's never gonna sell yeah, yeah. um and every business had that has that and the quicker we get comfortable with it the better you're gonna be uh in terms of the myobalm our vision is to be the home of sports recovery. So mm -hmm. ultimately, we want you to be able to buy, as an everyday athlete, every incredible product that will help to advance your recovery, right? Mm -hmm. And so for us, launching a CBD balm was an obvious next step for us. The power of CBD is incredible. Another conversation, but, you know, I think it has incredible benefits. And yeah, it's been really successful. We worked for like literally nine months and so many iterations to get it right. Yeah. And we're really proud of it. And it's been a great product. But like I said, we had 10 failures before that. So. Yeah, of course, of course. But it's um, it's exciting when you see that that one's just picked up in that way. And was it difficult releasing a CBD product out of interest? Yeah, possible. I can imagine. It's not even ingestible, right? Yeah. You put it on your skin. So how much damage can it really mm. do? Um, it's disappointing. I think that UK legislation hasn't caught up with yeah. with the benefits of the product. Um, we'll wait and hope. But yes, it was incredibly difficult. And I probably wish that I'd understood a bit more about that mm. uh, before we launched it. But it was the right thing for us to launch. And what's been really nice about it for us is that for quite a long time, we had sort of four or five core SKUs. And what it meant for our kind of community and this small group of people that we've got that are really big fans of the brand and, and following the journey and all of that. So there was nothing else for them to buy because yeah. they were like one-off products yeah. that last for two or three years because they're great quality. Um, and now introducing new products that we have recently mean 
we're really getting this validation that we are building the home and sports recovery because we've got this kind of diehard community that whatever we launch they trust we're going to bring the best thing and as soon as we launch something they buy it and they're recommending it to all their friends and that is super powerful it's what we always wanted to build and it's really great to see that coming to come into fruition now amazing and how do you interact with your community so we do a lot of in real life um nice activations so we do there's three pillars to that we do a lot of trade shows where we often see the same people again we'll do the running show the cycle show all of that stuff that's one pillar the second pillar is at the end of races so our kind of vision was to be at the end of every endurance race to give every athlete who competes uh, a great recovery experience as That's an extension incredible. of the race. You cross the finish line, you come into the Maya Master Recovery Hub. That looks like masseuses, our compression trousers, masseuses who are using our balm, wow. compression trousers, a stretch area with our percussion, a hydration stand, and our ice bath cold water immersion, right? That's incredible. Those people are going to love your brand. Amazing. <laughs> and we're really lucky because we have a product you can actually interact with. That's so powerful. So yeah, we want to create an amazing experience at the end of races, which we're doing a lot of. And then lastly, we do what's called golden ticket events which are kind of up to 30 people uh-huh. and we'll invite one of our athlete ambassadors down Alex is a good example the Olympic um, triathlete and he'll come and train 30 mad everyday triathletes so cool. we just put it on it's free it's like we want to improve the performance of every athlete we meet that's our goal so how can we do that by giving you recovery hubs at the end of races by creating opportunities for you to train with elite level athletes Wow, that's incredible. I think you're doing community in such an amazing way. And I see it online. I, mean, I, I see the online part of it, but it's clear how much, again, it speaks to identity. You know, you really do have that opportunity as a brand, obviously, you know, teaching you what you know. The opportunity you have as a brand to be that Nike to these people yeah. is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It must get you so excited. It really does. I think sometimes you can fall over yourself with the amount of things that you could do. Yeah. But we're still young. So for us, it's really about like, what are the most powerful and impactful things we can do at this moment in the journey Mm. and not getting caught up in you know, we're 30 years behind Nike. So, you know, sometimes you're like, I want to do all these incredible things at Nike, but you know, we're not there yet. So let's do the things that can make the most impact on our community effectively at this time. A strategy question for you. Mm. So is your view, you want to own the whole space eventually, like long-term thinking, or would you partner? Because when you talk about sleep, obviously you do nothing around sleep, that screams 30 amazing partnership opportunities and everything else, or is the long-term view not partnership because one day you want to own the whole lot yeah my ultimate dream would be to own the whole lot in a way that makes sense in a way that makes sense um i don't see partnership as a massive part of that strategy but i'm also uh long in the tooth in enough now to know things change Mm. and the path to the vision will vary so I don't know, we might get an incredible partnership opportunity and I'm like, this totally makes sense for us achieving that goal. It totally makes sense for our community and our customers, sure. And I'm definitely not rigid, um, that rigid about the path. Amazing. I'm so excited to see where you go with this, honestly, because like, you. You know, we spoke, um, must be early 2020 or maybe like mid 2020, definitely during the, the first lockdown and just seeing where you guys have gone has been incredible. So Thank super you. exciting to, to see uh, the, the little parts of it that I have. But I've got a few questions for you that I ask everyone. Ah. My first question for you is, what is the single biggest risk you ever took and what was the outcome? Yeah, 
I think the single biggest risk I ever took was yeah leaving my job to to pursue my master with a uh, I always say a baby on my boob excuse for vanity but that was the reality I was like at my desk with a baby on my boob yeah um and it was very scary uh walking away from safety of you know my secure job but also like managing a newborn at the same time so yeah that's the biggest risk what would you say to someone who's in that situation right now thinking of of taking that risk they've got a passion they've got a dream but they've got all the same fears that you had i would say nothing is irreversible if it all goes wrong you can go back to a job that's all good and the second thing is you know to be totally cliche about it like you're capable of anything we're all capable of doing anything that we want to do. So, you know, it's going to be difficult, but self-belief is key and you can 100% achieve anything you want. I love that. And I'm, I'm such a big believer in it as well. If people understood the power of their own mind, <sighs> the world would be a, a scary place to be. Yeah, not if- only that, but like the way you should train your mind like you train your body is the mm. way I think about it anyway. I'm like, okay, you've got to take proactive control of your mind because if you don't um there'll be a lot of outside noise that will so what does that look like for you to me that was a bit embarrassing no no no, go for it (laughs) yeah it's stuff we've talked about curating um the second thing is surrounding myself with positive people who have the same kind of goals as Mm -hmm. i do and i i've that's been a big part of the journey like i've not lost a lot of friends over the past couple of years, but probably distanced myself a little bit from a lot of people in my life that were incredibly great people, but they're not as ambitious as me or Mm. on the same path as me. And it's really important, I think, to surround yourself with people who are gunning for life the same way that you are. So I don't, for instance, have a lot of stay-at-home mum friends because it's just not what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, and they'll only make me feel bad about how I don't make homemade lunches or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they say you, know, you are a composite of the six people you spend the most time with, and it's very true. 100%. Hence why my friends are Andrew Huber and Dave Robbins. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, exactly. And then it's positive self-talk and taking real control of that because we all have negative thoughts in our head, um, and that's only getting worse with the kind of the rise of technology yeah. and the world that we live in. So I try really hard to, when I'm training in the morning, listen to, I literally listen to motivation playlists of yeah. this guy who, who says, you can fucking achieve anything. Please send this to ears. me. Please send this like, to oh, me. <laughs> and it's just the best start to the day. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, so we do a quarterly um, company gets back, get together for connected. And now that I'm just a cheerleader for connected, you know, <laughs> people far smarter than me doing all the actual work. Um, but the thing that I say to everyone is, you know, we are in a position that we're in because everyone is genuinely incredible at what they do. And you, they need to forget everything that they think about themselves for a second and accept that this is not a fluke or it's not, oh, someone else in the team is really good and that's right. why we are. Everyone, if they can just get into that mindset, right. you know, it's a, it's a reason why people who come from you know, a a background which may give them this level of advantage can go 50 times further potentially than someone with this level of advantage with the right mindset. Yeah, I I just couldn't agree more and maybe controversially. I've just um, got my son into this private school, right? And like 
we had a lot of debates at home because my husband did not go to private school. We yeah. actually went to a really rough school in Nottingham and he's like, well, I still managed to achieve my dreams. Yeah. And I'm like, what I'm buying him here, I think, is self-belief and networks. And that's what, that's what we're paying you for here. So I want to give him this advantage around his mindset because I do think you often see... Um, you're going to be like, this isn't controversial. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to your point earlier. But, um, I think you see a lot of people who've come through that education system who just do have a greater amount of self-belief that they yeah. can go on to achieve bigger things because that's what they've been surrounded by. Yeah. And so it's like, of course I can. Well, why Why wouldn't I? Um, and, and so that's why we're doing that. So I firmly believe, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's yeah. like, and it's why I'm so happy you're on the podcast because again, it's what we said right at the start, it's see it to believe it. People seeing your story, again, it's like, yeah, well, okay, of course I can do this. Um, and that's why I think it's so important. Uh, okay, my next question for you is, is there anything you wish you'd done differently? I wish I had um, two things. Firstly, I wish I'd made more room for failure and just accepted that when you start something like this, you're going to fail loads and loads of times and it's actually a really important part of the process rather than really beating myself up about it because I wasted time focusing on the failures, thinking I wasn't doing it right, thinking everybody was doing it better than me, when really now I'm like, we're going to fail at things and every time we fail, we're literally getting closer to the goal. Yeah. 100%. Like, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to, we've got to fail, we've got to fail, we've got to fail. Every time we do, we're like curating, 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 improving, improving, improving. It's the essential part of the process. Yeah. Um, And the second thing is, really just try and enjoy it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. It's great advice. You've got to enjoy the journey. You have to. You, yeah, it's really annoying try. because yeah. it's like stressful and hard, but I, I try to remember that it's such a privilege to do your own yes. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, there are so many people who have it so much worse as well. So having that, you know, I try and remind myself of that daily. When you're having a shit day, it's like, how blessed are we to be in an opportunity to even have these failures? Oh, my God. You, you know? are so right. And, like, I th always think of my dad when I think of this. Like, he's a Jamaican immigrant. He came here on a boat. And, you know, it's his story to tell. But, oh, my God. Like, the things that he suffered to give us these opportunities are like unimaginable like yeah. the things that he went through and the experience that he's had because he was so determined that he mm. was going to get us to so that i could literally do this thing that i'm doing right now like right. the sacrifices are unbelievable both him and my mum. and so every time i'm like moaning about it which i definitely still do i try to just remind myself like that journey gave me this opportunity so stop moaning about it because it's not even close to what he suffered for Amazing. us to have this chance. Amazing. What are you proudest of? Um, I'm proudest of two things. Firstly, my bravery. <laughs> I think I take risks and I give things a go. And I've stuck with it and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that I'm I'm sit, sitting here today having gone through the last couple of years because it was really hard. Yeah. Relatively. Um, and I'm just really proud of my family, you know, and my son and my marriage and my relationship because that too is hard to sustain and to build. Um, 
and I'm really proud that we're at this point that we're at and that we have are able to you know give him the things that we're giving him because we worked really hard to do that yeah amazing that's a beautiful answer and um as i said to you before we started managing to do the co-founder marriage i mean that is just incredible that is amazing i mean this is someone who couldn't be further away from a marriage but just from from the outside in it's like wow that that looks tough to navigate let alone doing the co-founding thing so yeah fair play fair play okay um my second i know we've got a few more what does it take to be successful I believe it takes incredible discipline, uh, sacrifice, and focus. And I know that's an anti-the-vibe uh, answer, but um, I think it takes those three things, and I think it takes clarity on your purpose. And the reason I say that is because for some people, success looks like the antithesis of those things. Mm. But I think the the key is understanding what, what makes you happy and what your purpose is. And for me, I want to leave a legacy. I want to build something big and I want to raise a great family. And I can't do those things without sacrifice, discipline and hard work. Yeah. That's just the reality. No, it's incredible. It's incredible. And that's, I think, great advice for anyone who wants to be as, as driven as you. You know, it's that, that's what it takes, right? There's no negotiation around that. There is obviously balance. There is everything else that comes with it, and it's part of it, but it's that le- level of determination. Um, okay, amazing. 15-year-old Lottie walks in the room right now. What are you telling her? I'm just telling her to get comfortable with who you are as quickly as possible. And I really don't want to be sort of banging on the race drum but for me that was a big part of my experience growing up and so if I just constantly felt uncomfortable about the situations I was in so I would just say you are who you are get accepting it enjoy it embrace it and go and chase your dreams incredible okay and my last one is what scares you failing like I'm terrified of failure terrified of the business failing i'm terrified of being a bad mum and you know lots of other things uh so yeah i don't i don't want to fail against my own definition of success yeah yeah and i think that uh it's interesting because we know that failure is part of the journey but it's also one of the biggest drivers that that leads to success as well it's like a, a really interesting cycle right yeah and you're kind of alluding to the fact i sort of I'm semi-contradicting myself because I was like get comfortable with failure but I think it's like for me I use that fear of the greater failures if you like to like ultimately the business going down the swanee or something which still totally might happen um I use that as a driver on the days when I don't want to get up or the days when I want to stay at home or the days when I go and have a drink or the days I don't want to train I'm like I don't want to fail at this so get up and do the thing it's such an interesting one the entrepreneur's relationship with failure and it's one that we're all navigating and i think the the longer time we spend as entrepreneurs i think the way we see failure definitely changes and we accept the smaller failures micro failures failures, but i think this is my hypothesis like we're around the same age i don't know we can talk about this in 25 years time but (laughs) my hypothesis is though the things that now feel like the big ones if we're on the trajectory that we You're think we're so on right. in 25 years, we're like, yeah, that was a small one, right? Totally. It's the goalposts never stop moving. You're absolutely right. 
Let's hope so. It's the only way I'm going to justify my big failures. But I think you already are from like looking back three years ago. Yeah. The stuff that I failed at three years ago at the time felt catastrophic. And now it's like, God, it was just a chink in the armor. Yeah. It's just a part of the journey. Yeah. And that's why I find that the relationship with failure is so interesting. And I guess it's, it will never stop. It's just our definition of micro will will grow, Change, but I guess yeah. that's 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 progress, right? That is growth. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. Lottie, what do you want to plug? Um, I want to plug my master. Which, if you are somebody who likes to train at whatever level, it's going to help you do more of that for longer. So follow us on social. Come down to our community events and yeah, check us out. Amazing, Lottie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.